Hello Gachimbonas, I am so excited to be bringing you season four and as part of season four I am unlocking a lit review from a previous season called The Right to Move and The Right to Stay. On this lit review I interviewed Ale Pablos, reproductive justice and immigrants rights organizer fighting her own deportation defense campaign which you can follow by look, keeping up the hashtag, hashtag keep free. And we discussed one of my favorite, favorite texts, one of the texts that I think first solidified for me or further solidified for me really my abolitionist politics. It's called Undoing Border Imperialism by Harsha Walia. We considered the relationship between decoloniality and migrant justice, tear apart the tiered meaning of, quote, citizenship, and expound upon the links between the right to move and the right to stay. Editing the podcast, hosting it, producing it, and doing all the social media content for it is actually so many multiple jobs in one and I am actually also a full-time lawyer and I am only able to keep this sustainable for myself through the 35 patrons thank you so much y'all are so real day ones for me I appreciate it so 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 much thank you to the newest patron Diana Sanchez appreciate the support so so much if you cannot support monetarily at this moment but want to show how much you love Radio Cachimbona please 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 leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts it really helps with visibility and gaining a wider listenership to the podcast thank you to the two anonymous individuals who rated the review on Apple Podcasts. I saw that. And just ask if folks feel compelled to leave a review, which apart from the five-star rating, explains more in depth what you love about the podcast so that folks can get excited and understand exactly why it is that this podcast is so special. That said, I do encourage y'all to become patrons if you are financially able the lit review is a patron only segment so i did this originally two years ago for the patron and as a patron you get the first look and they're also getting all of the season four episodes public episodes early and five dollar patrons get new content every two weeks ten dollar patrons get it every week and I, my goal is also to start doing Spanish language happy hour soon for the patrons. So please, please, please join. It's a really great community and it's where I feel most, most at peace and most in community with like-minded people. So please, please join the patron if you can. You can also follow Radio Cachimbona at Radio Cachimbona on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We ha I am always continuing the conversations that we're having on the podcast there, so please share any thoughts that you have there. And that's about it. So hope y'all enjoy this lit review, and bye.
Today, I am super excited and super honored to have my friend Ale back in a different capacity now on The Lit Review. We're here with our glasses of rosé to talk about Undoing Border Imperialism by Harsha Walia. Ale, do you want to give an update on where, what you've been up to and how you like your rosé? <laughs> right. Thank you so much for bringing me back, sis. I'm so excited. And this rosé does taste exquisite. I actually do not drink that much, but, uh, you know, being for the lit with review. you. Yeah, for the lit review, I'm like, oh, I, I got to be lit. <laughs> so I'm ready. I've been traveling a lot. I've been speaking a lot in different spaces. Really building my... Putting on my skills and 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 sharing my story, you know, mm -hmm. and um, really feeling more equipped on on being able to like move forward my immigration case and really challenge this deportation. Yes. So I'm feeling really good. Yeah, um, I've seen you out there. Like, yeah. <laughs> speaking to the college students. <laughs> yes, speaking, sharing, hearing more stories, right? Learning, connecting with you know national comms folks who are like you know teaching me some stuff because I'm always learning, right? This has been like a mm -hmm. first time for me, so um. So yeah, and also I'm really glad that we're doing this lit review. I've never, ever had heard of this book, and I was really affirmed, so I'm excited to get into it. Mm -hmm. And also I'm excited to hear, uh, to listen to more of your lit reviews. I've only listened to one, so... Yes. Mm. Everybody hear that? <laughs> Become a lit review patron. Yes, 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 yes. We need all the support. So actually, like, I wanted to start before even, like, Harsha Wally's actual writing, just to the foreword. Because, well, it's like literally the very first page of the forward too that I highlighted. It says, Harsha Walia demonstrates the importance of re-articulating the immigrants' rights movement as a struggle against settler colonialism. And I was really struck by it then when I first read it and was struck again when I read it most recently. Because I feel like it's just so important, especially in response to Trump's hateful rhetoric. Like, there have been a lot of liberals who respond by saying things like, this is a nation of immigrants. And like, that's such a violent thing to say when actually this country was founded on the genocide of indigenous people and was, you know, the economy was built on slavery of black folks. And so it's, I just think that if you're an immigrants rights justice person, you also have to keep the really important history of settler, settler colonialism in mind. And it was like through moving to Tucson actually that I realized how connected these issues actually are because the Tohono O'odham Reservation, like the traditional Tohono O'odham lands are cut in half mm -hmm. by the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, when we when I when I hear that, this is a nation of immigrants, I'm like, yeah, a nation of settlers, thieves, right. you know, who erased like the native folks who were here. Mm -hmm. And you know, this rhetoric, even like before Trump's rhetoric, right? This yeah. has been, is it yeah. especially for folks on the border, right? Like our mm -hmm. like border town people, Exactly right. I was reading. It reminded me of what happened in 2010, right? When, like, folks were sitting in at the D ICE office, right, talking about that wall. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, whatever. They're just, like, repeating history, right? Yeah. Repeating, like... So for me, I mean, I really loved, like I said, it's a moment of affirmation for me. I share my, you know, uh, my own deportation plight. And, like, people have been, you know, challenging xenophobic narrative, you know? And I think it's, it's, it's like, the audacity of, of kicking people out and labeling people worthy of a of a nation status right and people are fighting like the US over it. in particular yeah i mean and, and they hit hard too when we were like oh the u.s in particular yes yeah. thank you and you know just really interesting when like right off the bat it was like talking about daca right like and i'm just like yeah that's really the one evident form of like, these are the good people we're gonna like legalize mm -hmm. and like 
And this mm-hmm. is what it means. Like either you're about our military, right? Either mm-hmm. you're about higher education. And I'm just like, bro, also, also the most higher education I've ever gotten was in the movement, in my community, right. <laughs> in the struggle, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what really builds that, yeah. you know, that, that skill, right? To, to take on like oppression in this form, you know, daily and stuff. But yeah, that was what, so she talked about that uh, protest in 2010 at the Tucson Border Patrol. And, no, because I thought about what you said about DACA and I, one of the demands from the protests that Harsha Walia says we're mostly indigenous activists one of them was unconditional regularization right or like they just said in parentheses the legalization of all people Uh and I I love that and I thought that that was so important because and actually like I mean this is where your story comes in because it just shows that there are are tiers of belonging in this country and like you know even if you are an LPR even if you do have a green card you are not you don't have the rights that a citizen has and you know now you're in the situation where you are subject to something that the U.S. legal system says is never supposed to happen, which is that you're punished twice for the same act. Exactly. And, you know... But we're not deemed, you know... We're deportation not- is not punishment, which is, like, the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Like, there's a thing called illegal fiction where, like, people just say something and then it's true. And, like, that, this is exactly that. It's like, no, it's not punishment. Like, because I said it's not and I'm a judge. Like... Right. And, yeah, again, we go back to like... <laughs> Anybody you know, with common the, sense and like a heart and eyes would be able to The power to define that. I mean, even when you yeah. talked about the tears right now, right? Like there was even right now during the Trump administration, there was conversations around threatening the citizenship of naturalized folks. Yes. Right? My I got, mother. Yes. Like my mother was right. in threat of losing. Right, same. How many folks are in threat of losing? All of a sudden this <laughs> fake status, this man-made thing, right? Yeah. This is why I'm also like, oh, when we use the word undocumented... We're really not undocumented, actually. Literally, mm-hmm. we actually very are, are very much documented. Surveillance is a motherfucker. Right. <laughs> and, you no, know, right, yeah. Right? And like, it's just interesting, like, you, it's like you put it on people, like, oh, they're undocumented. Like, what? This is a documentation that, like, the, the people in power created. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have this, you're no longer valued a, a citizen that can, like, aportar, that can give to this corporations of America, right? Because that's what it is. If you are not here to give and mm-hmm. to to give of your labor if you're not here to fall into the binary of family structures and build families and work begging for $15 an hour that's the American dream that we're talking about that's what they want to sell to us right that this is like we work hard for 15 an hour what am I doing that's what a burger costs at an air- airline like <laughs> what do right. you mean yeah. right but like again it's so ingrained in us capitalism that it's like we're supposed to struggle mm-hmm. right and like we're supposed to create the this like Right, you feel guilty, da, 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 da. but like when I go, when I'm, when I'm traveling, because it's such a privilege to travel, even as a person in proceedings, mm-hmm. I travel and they're creating these huge airports, and for who? Again, we're here to produce for the rich and build playgrounds for them, because I've never walked into a damn store mm-hmm. at the airport. Yeah. Like, I know I cannot afford it, that is not for me. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just really interesting, again, like how... Yeah, how we give everybody the class, class, right? We're talking about class here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. So I think that this also relates to why, like, just going back to the original point about the relationship between settler colonialism and immigrant rights, I think you can describe it also as the relationship t- between the right to move and the right to stay. Mm-hmm. Because I've been thinking a lot about the right to stay because I did leave the Bay Area because it, it had gotten too expensive for the things that I wanted to do personally for my life. And my clients, really, they don't, or when I was doing detained deportation defense, I always talk like I'm currently a deportation defense lawyer and I need to, like, 
live in the present. <laughs> but cut then, that tie. Cut that energy tie with those roles. But like, I know, but it's just, oh, yeah. These situations are life and death. It's so monumental. Even just having a periphery role makes you feel like really invested, like just so moved by it. So mm. it's like, I still think about the people that I saw who were detained a lot, but they didn't really have a choice right. in coming here. Right. Like it's like, yes, people have the right to move, but I also think they should have the choice of whether or not they want to move. Right. Because I think there's this myth that everybody wants to live in the US and what, you know, his whole shithole countries thing. It's like, actually some other is really beautiful. <laughs> like, you know, actually like my mom had a really hard time when she first moved here because yeah. of how individualistic people are and how mm. she was like, my neighbors wouldn't come say hi and knock on my door like before. Like I was lonely. Right. You know, it's like people struggle here and it's not, it's, we don't necessarily want to be around y'all, okay? It's right. like, but it's like these things that are, I can die here for sure, or I can try and go to the U.S. and make a life. Right. And I think that in order for there really to be a, a right to move that's meaningful, it should be a choice to move. Mm -hmm. And so that means that people also have the right to stay. And mm. like, we need to protect against gentrification and displacement. Yeah. Absolutely, they're the same fight. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate right now when uh, there was a meme. Do you remember that meme that was coming around that was like, I hate it here or something like that? And I remember reposting it because a lot of my friends were also like, this home is here situation, right? It's also like, no, actually, people are fighting to really have like stayed in their motherland. Yeah. Right? Like, again, freedom to stay. The, the, the social yeah. like conditions for you to be able to stay and freedom thrive in your stay. own community, mm -hmm. right? But again, like the U.S., the imperialism that the U.S., it has definitely sucked so much resources, nutrition, all of the things that you just mentioned about Salvador, right? About Mexico, too. I'm like, yo, Mexico is beautiful. Los, las, las playas, like all these things. I would love to come. But like, yeah. I know people are dying in Sinaloa, mm -hmm. where I'm from. Yeah. Right? I know people are getting mugged and stabbed right now, mm -hmm. right? Because of the, the impunity, because of the relations, that, right? All of the stuff that we already know the U.S. has a damn finger in, mm -hmm. right? And it's just, it was really beautiful to read that those pieces actually. And again, people should be able free, free to move just as like money's moving, right? Like again, Goods, talking about yeah. money, corporations, they yeah. have more rights I mean, what does Border Patrol do? It's like customs and Border Patrol, right? Like what are they in charge of quote unquote inspecting? It's people and goods. It's ridiculous. Right? I mean, also don't even get, that's, that's a whole situation. I was also reading another book too around Chica, Chicanas that have been locked up and affected by the criminalization and like because of the border, mm -hmm. the way that our families have been spread out and divided, right? Like how border border patrol agents have really like used that power to literally sexually harass and rape and mm -hmm. like right, lie to them yeah. as they, if they can fix this immigration status, right? Fix this thing that like- Like cops. Right, that like these women, these families, these people are like so thirsty to just get, right? Yeah, the border patrol agents. Oof. I'm thinking about what you, you put that in your story. It was mm. the thing that you highlighted. It was the border is actually created by border patrol agents. Like they, because wife. they are the ones who enforce oh the border. I know, that was so good. Right, yeah, so that was preparing. Thank you for my <laughs> diligence. Please donate to the Patreon. <laughs> no, honestly. Um, seriously, I mean, I have fun, you know, we're having rosé, but also. Yeah, <laughs> I prepped myself to be here yes. and make sure that you y'all have a beautiful like <laughs> listen to a beautiful conversation that's also full of knowledge right and again intentionality and like why we're even focusing on this particular topic but yeah it was really interesting for me because again and again these are as i was sharing with you these are things that i've like i talk about all the time but maybe not particularly with the language yeah it's academic maybe it's better that way language, yeah. and i'm like wow feel so affirmed and i'm like okay yes of course it's like now i have like this 
different language to use too, but So yeah. you feel like it like is, was a value add for you? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is exactly the type of stuff that like, prepares me to, to share, to connect, to, to really connect things for folks, right? Because mm -hmm. I also was in a place 10 years ago where I didn't know. I probably yeah, said, we were, yeah. right? Nobody's I, born woke. Exactly. <laughs> and, the, you know, and, and, and also that is, that is the government's fault, the state's fault. <laughs> yeah. And we're not born woke, woke since, you know, since we're little and going to school, our, our, our public system should definitely be preparing us to know our amendments, our constitution, mm -hmm. todo eso, mm -hmm. but that's what they want, right? They want people not to have access access to your own autonomy of your production, your sexuality, your bodies, your life, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's about control and surveillance, you know? Chinga la migra, fuck the border, okay? <laughs> Just wanted to say that once. Amen, amen. Okay. <laughs> So, okay, another thing, so, like, reading this book, I feel like everybody should just read it because she really breaks down so many systems at once. I just read so many things that I'm just like, damn, we need to stop and really think about that. And also for y'all that are not here looking at this, like, this is such a cute book. It's small. It's small, which I love. It's As super, a small person, I, mean, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to all small people. <laughs> but yeah, it's such a good read. And also, like, there's a lot of stuff that y'all can listen to. A TED yeah. Talk, other stuff that she's done. It's been really, really amazing. Are there pronouns? She in there, do you know? I think she, yeah. I mean, that, again, that I, I, again, I just, for the first time, said fuck higher ed. Yeah. the other day you know but again it, it has given access and platforms for pe people you know dissect certain things and i think we take pieces of it right we're like mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. but again this is all like access access that she that this person had that sharing that i now can yeah take right and can hold oh my god this is so cute all books <laughs> all books should be this small <laughs> right i know <laughs> <laughs>Okay, so one of the sentences I was thinking about that really struck me was, she says, for immigration to be a problem, people must live in a property relationship to land. And I was like, Right. <laughs> like, I, you're right. Because we take private property for granted. And actually, in the there's a mandatory curriculum in law school in the first year, you have to take property. And it's literally just, from day one, you assume that private property is a thing. Uh, and w I'm sorry, elaborate more lawyer. Uh, <laughs> property as far as how to defend people and like property oh, laws and oh. prop like, def but defend, I don't know, I'm saying defend people's properties and like what are their laws around people claiming property? Like, yeah. What? Yeah, it, it is, but what, but then what it ends up, you know, just because of our societies, what it ends up being is, oh, like how rich people protect. Mm. Their property. And it's like, it is important for us to know, but also, well, I guess this, this leads us into a discussion of, do you believe in private property? Because I kind of struggle with this. In a place where everything's been stolen. Right. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So day one. And then also, how do you feel about like owning your own home? And you know, how do you reconcile that? You're maybe like your realization, this is stolen land. And so how could that ever be privatized? But also we do live in this world where that's kind of the forced relationship to land and what what are your thoughts on that are you a person who wants to own property or are you going to rent your whole life or what? oh my god <laughs> so yeah so i was definitely the person who was like fuck renting yeah because also i saw my mother lose yeah her, her home saying, right yeah. work really hard this was the american dream mm -hmm. and like what that's the american dream to kill your body and kill your time into labor where you're just gonna lose your house later because if somebody got smart off of housing laws, right, or whatever, they went bankrupt, mm -hmm. whatever the heck. And that was a time where I was just like, all of this is fake, none of this is yours. 
you're just gonna have to pay taxes on being in this place which means paying rent mm-hmm. right blah 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 mm-hmm. but then as i'm like growing now i'm just like i can only build my community and what i want in my own sanctuary my mm-hmm. own land that's private that i I can say you can't come here, private property. No, honestly, but also <laughs> you have, like, have those rights if you rent too. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> you know, and I'm just no, but like, like I really know what you mean. Like I, I also really want that. Like, I want to be left the fuck alone. <laughs> That's literally what I say. I'm like, yo, if I could just like be in this place where I know I'm safe, like yes. fuck you, right? And this is where like again, like, I've learned to be able to take care of myself. Like, I don't need everything in the city right or whatever. Like just even like figuring out those those things. So I don't know. So this this was. Yes, this quote, <laughs> this thing. It also made me think a lot about how this shows up in laws over our bodies, right? Our bodies are property also by being in the United States. I feel like even like yeah. by like signing your birth certificate, like that is shit. Like you're yeah, actually it's like signing property. Up to be regulated, yeah. Right. So it's just like I mean, there's people who like don't who are actually living under under this like underground in a sense that yeah. like didn't get a certificate, a birth certificate. Like they will never get to travel. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that they're like, I'm so fucking free, fuck the government. Or whatever, right? Like, I'm not under, like, this surveillance and this control. But, like, their life is really limited. Yeah. Right? And, again, it's just, like, how we've been forced to have this relationship to be able to think that we're just thriving and living. This is what it looks like. You know, it's, yeah, I'm... That's a, that's, that's a lot that's like that I'm trying to figure out myself. Autonomy, right? Access. And that's what, as, repro- as a reproductive justice organizer, that is what we talk about. Like, we didn't consent to this form of violence. This right. type of violence that like literally forced, how am I going to pay for to live? Where else would I live? Why is there not universal housing? I am so confused at all the money that we spend. Right. Well, there's not universal housing because because of capitalism, because there's this right. idea that you as an individual need to, quote unquote, like earn your keep. Neoliberalism so, is a bitch. You know, you can't, you need to be able to provide and support for, for yourself. And there should be nobody that like, gets a break. But like what that does, it just ignores the fact that not everybody is built to be able to work User in this crazy like Elderly people, system. right? Elderly people, yes. sick people. Oh, You've shut God. down all healthcare centers. There is no... How, there's no like universal mm-hmm. healthcare. The like little, the like <laughs> super old like ladies who are gro- like bagging my groceries. I'm just like, why are you working still? Like you should be enjoying your life. Like I can't believe we live in a world where you really, you really have to come to work here when you are like struggling to bag my groceries. <laughs> like, exactly. And again, like this, this division, right? This like private property has forced people to migrate again, right? That's yeah. also been a, a, right. a, a reason why folks migrate. And like, I mean, we are the people that don't have access or like opportunity mm-hmm. to buy all this stuff. So we're also the ones that face the most biggest injustice across borders, mm-hmm. right? Because one thing that I'm good, that I'm doing myself is actually equipping myself to know more about detention centers across the globe right mm. like there are yeah there's a lot of similarities a lot of similarities but I like again new, new zealand and australian detention well they're centers. really great they're really great no they're, like, they're really bad oh good well what about the prison <laughs> wasn't there like a prison i mean my homie just went shout out to richita said that if y'all haven't seen feminists on cell block why y'all should go check it out because that's another conversation about decolonizing your body and your community but they just went somewhere to one of the prisons and it was like a way a better way i guess to well, prison as like maybe like a new zealand citizen goes there but right where, no, but, but immigration I'm, I'm detention about, centers no yeah okay. i was i was researching their immigration detention centers which are super fucking sketch literally in an island off of the coast so that's how you know like the thing about those borders these detention again centers, separating us from like the we can't access yes. well so this is a really common thing and it's really just it's fucking horrible that Civic and these corporations pick the randomest fucking places to 
build these detention centers like Eloy, Arizona, for example, or like, or this island off the coast of New Zealand. Well, like that one, what is that one uh, activist, environmental justice activist, the, the black woman that talked about where there's space we're going to build. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. In California, that's the reason why all these things were built. Like, so it's like, what do we do with this space? Mm-hmm. Somebody, capitalism yeah. tells us somebody has to go use it up. And, and it's like the power? intentional for it to be far away so your family can't visit, exactly. so your lawyers can't visit. So it's like easier to deport you and violate any kind of rights you do have. Because mm-hmm. also it's not like they're building communities around these places, right? It's not like, oh, no. no. You know what I mean? Like they're literally out in the desert. And these... these Even the lawyers <laughs> that work there don't live there. Like I didn't live in Florence. I mean, do these corrections officers do the ones that lobby? The ones that lobby every day for their job, as if like they went to college to be corrections officers. Like my dude, if there's no jail for you to work at, go work somewhere else. Well, but you're gonna lobby. I just think this is where, like, in my mind, like a government steps in and then creates jobs that are actually productive. Like, um, I don't know. Let's like figure out like the climate change situation. Why don't we invest jobs in that? Hiring people to figure that out, or like you know, or like that's a social benefit. Yeah, we don't have like private benefits, private property, right? It's like profit and social benefit. Again, this is a country where like you come, you scratch your back, you know, like I scratch mine, you scratch yours. This is something that we've said a lot. Even Latinos, right? They're like, oh, well, we struggled and we made it. Uh, also, no, ma'am. You also had cousins over here. You also probably had some fake paperwork done. Like, let's get it twisted. You know what I mean? Like, let's just be real. Like, or, people yeah, had you're access. Yeah, you, know, you were just born on the wrong, on the right side of the border for a very random reason. <laughs> and quote, unquote, the right side, right? When this damn border had moved people to. And that's another thing that is just really hard as a, as a, as a colonized mujer, Mexicana, mestiza, that also is very light-skinned, right? That hasn't had the privilege to live and identify with their indigenous side. So we've lost that history, right? And we have, um, again, like we have to really fight back for that, to take some of that, that, that indigeneity back, right? To really identify with them. That's why right now I'm just like, you know what? No, I'm just Mexican. I'm not Latina. I'm not from fucking Rome. Yeah, I just say I'm Salvadorian American now. Because I do a few knowledge that I have, like the U.S. citizenship and all that. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm just Salvador. I don't say Latina anymore because I've just felt erased so many. Well, there's a lot of things. It erases Afro-Latinx folks. It erases indigeneity. And then also, in my personal experience, it has erased Central Americans and like the particular civil wars that have happened there. And then after a while, I was just kind of, oh, I think I, I got fed up because of something that happened at Stanford. I remember, okay, so oh, this is so trash. The Latinx Student Association there, okay, their big event every year was Cinco de Mayo. That was a celebration. Ugh. I know. It's like, even like for, if you're Mexican, you're just like, okay. What the fuck is Cinco de Mayo, first of all? Like, no, I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, yeah, so I like, I was like, okay, well, first of all, I'll just point out that I think for a lot of Mexicans, this is still not representative, so... <laughs> That's problematic. And then also, as a Central American person, there's this political moment where the Mexican government is being used to extend the U.S. border to its southern border so that any Central Americans or South Americans who want to come up are going to have to confront the militarized Mexican immigration police. I don't know. Damn. Just in this year of our Lord, 2018, I just want you to recognize me as a Salvadoran person who is your classmate, who's a part of this Latinx student association that feels a kind of way about this little celebration like why why is it themed that and it was so awful because it was literally just like a party what like made white people feel comfortable yeah. you know it was just Ew. Made, i feel like it was like making white people feel comfortable with our presence like don't worry like we don't want to abolish ice we want we'll drink margaritas with you in the corporate law firm like don't worry about it <sighs> that's awful i'm just I always 
<laughs> yeah, my sister friend is in higher ed right now, and she's going to social work in school. Well, there's a lot of box checkers, you know. Like there was a lot of just straight up white Latinx people, and like we never had a conversation about that. Like well, I was like, well, this is the perfect place to have that conversation because y'all are white. You did not grow up culturally Latinx, first of all, and right. like okay, your grandma was from Argentina, but <laughs> yeah. Also, has anybody coined white POCs? And I really also shout outs to white POCs that do recognize their whiteness and like, yeah. combat it every day. Yeah. And don't get pissed off when we call you white POCs yeah. or white Dinos. But, um, and I think it's important. It's like, again, like that was, that's where I was going to with like the whole mestiza, right? And yeah. like, uh, we've had the privilege to, to assimilate to mm -hmm. our like whiteness. And like, you know, I've had a lot of privilege myself mm -hmm. when I travel because I don't look. I remember one time in Texas, they stopped me. The damn motherfucking bitch gave my passport to a DHS, to an ICE agent. It was probably because it was by the border. It was the only time there was border patrol agents with TSA. Mm. This, that's never happened to me. And I've traveled yeah. across all the corners in the middle, all of that. And it was really interesting. And she just passed my passport over to the two agents and they just started grilling me. And we're really confused that like, I mean, they didn't, I didn't say this, but in my head and how I'm talking to them, they're just like, I'm sorry, I don't get it. Like, why are you speaking English? Where are you going? You live in Phoenix. How are you in proceedings? Because they, they've also seen a lot of people, right? Coming up with these papers because I show them my bond paperwork. Because mm. if you don't have if your passport. I don't think people are making fraudulent bond paperwork. Exactly. No, listen to me. I'm like, oh. first of all, I can just, I have multiple copies of this. Like, because it's unfortunate that that's what they're giving me. A paper that's literally that disposable. And I can, right? Like, it means nothing. Yeah, no, it, yeah. But the agents were just grilling me and really didn't understand. I had to really explain to them how their system works. I'm like, look, I'm in proceedings. Right, I've been here my whole system. life. I'm a legal permanent resident. That's why I speak English. That's why I live here. I've been fighting for eight years. I'm appealing. I'm not going anywhere. This is my bond paperwork. It means I just got out. Blase, blase. Yeah. And I really was to the point where I was just like, you know what? I'm not answering any questions. Go call your supervisor. But I didn't want to get brought into the next room. Secondary, you know, like yeah. TSA is really, really stressful to yeah. travel and all that yeah. stuff. But like I have, I can We're travel with my passport, my domestic passport. I can travel with my Mexican passport, right? With like, I can do that. So there's no reason for you to be grilling me and all that. But again, and that's where this whole real ID, that's what it is too. It's about borders. It's about making people not traveling. It's about... That's say. what she gets into. It's like, yes, like there's, you know, this thing that we traditionally know as the border as like this arbitrary line with like fences and checkpoints and ports of entry, but also the border. We create borders all the time when we have gated communities, when, when the border patrol is allowed to pull over whoever and ask them whoever. Right. Ridiculous. It's really, really, I, I mean, I'm always really jealous of like the sovereign white people at the border who were yeah. like i'm not fucking answering that and i'm just like i'm so jelly i know I'm like, I I, I've, I've had that thought like, too i know because like <laughs> since moving here i've kind of learned about that culture that like arizona rancher culture and i'm like yo i would be about that if it wasn't really white supremacists at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> right if y'all like, were cool with me i'd be cool with you land. like fuck out of here yeah. Yeah, just this feeling of this is my property. I don't want government interfering in my life. Like, I live my life. I do me. I mind my business. There's no reason for you to come up on me. Right. And I wish everybody had that, right? Yeah. Like, that's what families and parents, that's what people fight to be left alone, right? To go and parent in safe environments, right? So when, like, your water right. is polluted, when you're, you know, when the air is smogged up every day, you barely see sunshine, you're going to migrate, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to move. And it's just really interesting. There's a, there's also a, Damn, I'm not gonna forget. There's a really beautiful, oh, flow, human flow. Have you seen that documentary? It's really amazing. Mm. Everybody should watch it. It's really, it talks about cl the climate crisis and migration. And it goes into every continent and country. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on immigration. I just was bawling. Wow. But again, it's just Wait, like. What is it called? Uh, the human flow. Okay, cool. 
I'll put right? a link to it on the show notes. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. And again, it's like, you know, what we're doing and we're fighting for reproductive justice. We're fighting for, you know, people to create and not create like families. But if you do, to be, to do so in a safe and healthy environment. Yeah. Right, and that's the bottom that's of this. Reproductive and that's reproductive justice. That's intervention. Right, and but again, that's literally when we talk about reproductive justice. Literally, we're talking about being anti-capitalist, anti-borders, yeah. anti-imperialism, right? Because that's the first threat. Militarization at our borders is the first threat to people's autonomy, autonomy. over their their bodies, their lives, their familias, their production. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just oh my god, militarization. I don't know. It's it's scary that like the the police, the cops is the one uniform globally you can recognize, right? Mm-hmm. Like the US has has handed all of this. Yeah. And all this like development of like incarceration everywhere you go. I cannot believe in Mexico right now we're talking about privatizing privatizing prisons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine how bad they are already. You know yeah. What I mean? The US is exporting its prison model to all across the It's Latin been doing America. that. That's what I'm saying. It's been doing that. That's the reason why in all countries of Latin America like we have these structures of privatization. Everybody's making money. Yeah. Again, that's why people are yeah. like moving and moving and moving. But before we move on, I wanted to oh my gosh. The stay in Mexico Remain in Mexico, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remain in Mexico. What the well, fuck okay. is going on? Well, in that's that's what advocates are calling it, but he calls it the migrant protection protocol, which is obviously bullshit because people are like their lives are in danger in Ciudad Juarez and the Mexican borders where people, the Mexican border towns where people are forced to wait. I cannot believe this. This is illegal. I know. <laughs> what? I, I don't understand. Like, is this going to the Supreme Court? Yes. Okay, so it hasn't been there yet. It hasn't gone there yet. No. Okay, so. All right, so this is this is really crazy, and this is a good example of the legal world and how just how it, we can't use it to save us to liberate us. It, the options that we have to fight in the courtroom are so limited. It's, it's, you know, it's like yeah. literally having the a judge who works for the damn. Like, how am I gonna really win my case if I'm literally like I have two people against me, two lawyers right now mm-hmm. prosecuting me, right? The, in the, in the, the, the immigration, immigration judge. Yeah, actually, so that was something that's something that Elizabeth Warren has proposed in her immigration plan Mm. is to make immigration judges be under a different department so that they wouldn't be controlled by like the attorney general. General. Yeah, like Jeff Sessions or William Barr, the other people that have done that. So I think I think that's a positive thing. But actually, I like Bernie's plan best because he wants to dismantle DHS. So, right, because like Elizabeth Warren needs it, yeah. right? She was just saying. She, like, I yeah. can't believe she sat on me this platform and told me Hente, whoever the fuck was interviewing her, that yeah, I want to keep eyes. Eyes yeah. is good. We need them for whatever. Yeah, that's what she said. I, I gotta go see who was it first. So I think it was Priscilla. I want to flip out <laughs> on like how she responded because I'm like, I would have been like, like, oh no, can we cut this? So can we cut this? <laughs> Wow, how many Latinx people did? Uh, yeah, and I say Latinx because mi gente's face is Latinx. How many Latinx people did did they did she really lose that day? Because I, I mean, know, I mean they that's, also that's the how black, I found out the black vote, right? The black women vote. Conversations on how to engage in electoral politics is so complicated, you know, because I respect the stance that like there are communities who have experienced so much state violence that they should not be expected to participate in the electoral process. At the same time, I think that we should leave no stone unturned and like there's people with privileges who like don't feel that, who don't have that kind of emotional burden or that like that difficulty, that obstacle, that barrier in participating because like I haven't been wronged by the state in that way as directly. Mm. But, you know, but it's just hard because I, I also believe in autonomy and I don't always, I don't just don't feel comfortable being like, you need to vote. (laughs) Like. I know, again, that's just a small strategy. Again, there's 
there's still like people are voting things into place and they're still not being followed they're being violated right like it just, if it's just your cup of tea it's your fucking cup of tea you know and that's what you're gonna do i just feel like the u.s can't even get because look the military literally they live in a very socialist form right they're like the government gives them health care, everything. They got like, mm-hmm. forever you're going to get paid. You got your own grocery stores. You got your own community. We're going to take care of your whole family, all that shit. I mean, they still fail at that because like, uh, veteran know, issues, health care, right? They don't give a fuck. They're deporting people, you know, all that shit. They can't even get that, their own people, right? You know what I mean? So it's really like this whole, again, going back to the DACA conversation of like believing in the military and like in this like, what? People, so I was just looking through my through my hate mail on, on, on news of hate mail for Ali. I get a lot of people who are just like, yeah, you hate this country so much. And they'll be like, you spell America with three Ks. Why don't you just go back to your country? You know, and I'm like, what? So I use... You're proving my point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank facts. you, sir. <laughs> but like, I also only use America with three Ks. Because I'm not going to shit on America's because that's a whole ass continent. Right, so I'm also talking about all of our America. So no, I don't hate America, and I don't, and I, and I also don't hate the land here and the people here, right? But I hate the corporations of America, which is with three Ks. But it just hurts them so much when they read that America with the three Ks that I'm just like, oh, I should put this on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so like that conversation just always makes me interested because actually, you know, like nation states are pretty new, and so like the fact that people feel so strongly about them actually is pretty interesting. What is it about your life experiences that make you feel that attached to this idea of the U.S.? Like, why does that provide you comfort? And I, when I was doing my senior thesis, I was reading a little bit about how nation states came to be created. And one person's theory was that as soon as the Gettysburg Press was created and as soon as the people were able to mass produce writings that and people could mass produce newspapers, that was the first time that you could conceptualize a community bigger than your neighborhood Mm. because like you would you would like read the morning paper and then realize oh there's somebody else in california reading the same thing Mm. about the same stuff Mm. but how do we get from there to i'm okay with this government killing people because and i don't get what the because is yeah i'm just Again, like xenophobia has taken its life of its own. To really, really, it's like no. And to me, when I read my all this hate mail, these comments of like, you broke the law. Get the fuck back out of here. Leave this country. You lawbreaker. You know all this shit. I'm just like, wait, do you not know nothing that's happened historically? Right? Let's not even talk about you. Yeah, right. Go two months, and now I'm in deportation over like a ten year old DUI. Right. So it's just like, the criminalization again. The people empowered to define define what activities are criminal are deemed criminal mm-hmm. and that's it and they throw away the key that's just what it is and that's it and this year we're gonna focus on this community and then next year right like this started from criminalizing like the chi- from the chinese exclusion yeah literally right? from like literally the creating very first borders decision. on air because it's yeah. like yeah it's just i mean obviously mexico folks in mexico get it just that much harder because we're literally a part of the same land mass mm-hmm. right and they literally yeah, it's the most evident evidence of thieving. Literally, this is the the land we're on right now. This is Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, what's well, indigenous is, land? This is right, indigenous. Okay, yes, indigenous land, Mexico land. Even before that, I mean, we Mexicans probably stole it from a lot of other people. Yes, but again, like you, can, this is again. Oh, well, like, they definitely did, Ale. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, and it's probably my people, my mestizos. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's please let's talk about that. Just, yeah, you can't do this the day before things. Oh my god, <laughs> it would be perfect. I'm literally you can't gonna be sh- these two light skin Latinas. Oh, <laughs> like oh no, come on. Yes. No. no, tomorrow <laughs> I literally show up to my Mexican family with a presentation on. on That's so on, good. Yes, dude. I'm just I like again. Again, remember why we're not here. <laughs> this is the facts. But yes. direct the conversation and ask you what you think the relationship is between climate change and like the climate justice movement and immigrants rights and I have some thoughts just based on the stuff that I've seen I saw a lot of indigenous folks from Guatemala fleeing because there were these hydroelectric dam companies that wanted that basically knew that they could displace them and their communities and the Guatemalan government wouldn't do anything about it and so that was what was happening and I think this is where climate change comes in because we're, we need to figure out what kind of energy we're going to have moving forward. <laughs> but also, like of course, in that in the pursuit of that, the, who's going to be hurt? Who's going to be punished? It's going to be the people that are most vulnerable, and that's in this case, it's like Indigenous Guatemalans. But there's also so much. I mean, even the idea of TPS, it was kind of founded on this idea of if there's a if there's like a climate issue, like a hurt, like earthquake or whatever i think or like a civil war or something then people uncontrollable should, something right yeah oh my gosh and i don't know if this is relevant but i just thought of this so like you know how people say that u.s has no well like had no history of quote-unquote welfare mm-hmm. but actually that's not true because in the 1800s the u.s gave a lot of welfare but it they called it it was for people who had suffered from floods or hurricanes or natural from disasters. other countries or just here no white the white people here okay. <laughs> when you give white people help because of a circumstance that they can't control, right. it's not welfare. It's just the government doing what it's supposed to do. But as soon as it's like okay. black and brown people, then it becomes welfare. Then there's like this whole uh, like welfare queen being introduced. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and that's again, I think it even goes back to the fact that we earlier about like we can't think of America of this. Oh, it's been gr- it's been good to immigrants. Right, I'm a nation, the nation of immigrants. Right, and or even just being fighting for pathways to citizenship, but also want forced security at the border. Right, it's like those. (laughs) No, I think I I read it in here. It has to be in here when people. Did you just talk about abolition? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we see that because a lot of people have this misconception that abolition is just about destroying things, but. It's actually, actually creating like, a new society. Because we care about the safety of people, we can't just be calling for the abolition of this broken system. We also need to call for a creation of systems that will take care of the problems that prison is meant to hide, like mental illness, poverty, childhood trauma, abuse, violence. I really love the part of the of the Canada movement. I'm just like, well, I need to whole book. I need to go read this. This I looks know. amazing. Like all of this or organizing framework was really brilliant. Oh my gosh, now that I'm looking at my notes, I'm actually oh let's talk about all these beautiful things. Right. Right here. The part of the worldwide movement of resistance that strives and struggles for the right to remain, the freedom to move, and the right to return. So important. So all important. of it. Right? right because actually that's something we don't really talk about, is like the right to return and how that's something that 
is a huge issue for undocumented folks in the U.S., especially in this militarized age where crossing the border right now, like through the Sonoran Desert, you're risking your life. Death. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that is the current context. Yeah, and I feel like, oh my gosh, like when it's like, oh, deterrence, 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 right? And it's like, that doesn't work. People are still gonna... Well, because there's things like, you know, like I would see, like my, my clients would be like, yeah, I left because my mom was dying of cancer and that could have been the last time that I would ever see her. And honestly, Ali, it was really like, I would say at least 80% of the time when people were like, when they went back, it was like for real, like the most human reason that like everybody should be able to understand. My mom was dying and I wanted to see her before she died. People, so that's where the three and 10 year and 20 bars, 20 year bar comes come in because depending right. on how many times you enter without authorization, then if the US government finds out, you're gonna be barred from applying for legal relief for 10, for three, 10 or 20 years, depending on what your history is. Right. Right, and again, people have roots here, right? As much yeah. as you want right. to deter, people are gonna return to be with their families. People mm -hmm. are gonna, right? So when we talk also about re-entry of like people coming out of like mass incarceration when we're decarcerating people, but also people are getting deported and having to come and like return to their families, mm -hmm. right? What, like you're saying, like what they're about to expect. That's my one thing that I'm always just, they really knew, right? Like what is expected? Because that's what we're welcoming them with, military, incarceration, indefinite, right? Yeah, family separation, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also I just want to say that this, me and Yvette only read together a couple of like chapters and stuff like that so i'm just really excited to get deeper yeah this like this whole conversation whole is inspired by like two chapters of the book two chapters of the book so the one thing i wanted to ask you she starts the one chapter off with a quote from roxanne dunbar and she says which i love have you read the indigenous people's history yeah uh no but i read um, her book about the second amendment and it's white supremacist roots Ooh, do you have that let's straight yeah i, I actually okay, have the Hold indigenous on, people's Okay, cool. I actually saw so much hope in the quote. I guess because I've never felt at home anywhere. I grew up in a very white town. We were one of the only Latinx families in the town and like for sure the only Salvadorian family in town or like one of the only ones. And then I went to Yale and it was like a whole, I also didn't belong. I mean, I think I found my Yale Latinx like first gen fellow students who were low income and grew up as like children of immigrants or who were immigrants themselves. Those were my homies at Yale, but also like that was another experience where I just felt like I didn't really fully belong. I fought my way to feel included there, but it wasn't naturally my home. And the Bay has become too expensive to live in. And so I, and I feel like I'm also, I'm still trying to create my home. I'm still trying to heal my trauma. I'm still, I'm still trying to find a place where I really feel safe and I feel like I have to construct that for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel like I'm still going there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I, mean, I just think because my parents so explicitly were forced to leave El Salvador during the war that I've just gotten used to this idea that like sometimes home is a place where you're not at. Mm. I think that's why. But your take is so important. It makes so much sense <laughs> to me too. I was like, wow. 
<laughs> well, I mean, to me, when I read it, yeah, maybe home is somewhere I'm going and have never been before. To me, the first thing I thought about was like, people are home. Yeah. People are home to people, so we chase them. So we cross borders mm. to find our homes, right? Like, our mm -hmm. homes are never... Yeah. It's like, again... That could be like, someone's migration. Home is somewhere I'm going. That's like the unaccompanied kid who's coming to reunite with their mom or their dad. Home is somewhere that I've never been before. It's somewhere I'm going. Right, and you get to choose where home is, right? Yeah. Like, yes, people should choose to live and thrive in their own homeland, right? So, yeah, so to me, it was sad because it's like, yo, like, everybody should... Have a yeah. home and, and also taught and nurtured when like we are home too. Like wherever we go, we're gonna be home, right? But it's important to have that connection to little literal to physical land, land right? Yeah. But if we go back to the thinking of all of this is bother borrowed, we're just here taking care of it. Your tribe is your home, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just like to mm -hmm. me, it was like, damn, mm -hmm. it's fucking sad because they're always chasing something. And and maybe this person is like a right. This code comes from a person who's alone. But in my head, it's just, I just wish people were also comfortable. Your people are your home too, right? We, and we're allowed to build homes wherever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this, I think that we're mentioning here too, like if you just decide or all of a sudden the, the other place you grew up is not your home anymore because you decided to migrate to a different place. Yeah, the right to return. Like it's mm -hmm. just, it doesn't. So my initial thought was just like, damn, that's fucking sad. Maybe home is somewhere I'm going I've never been before. Mm. And it's just like, that's really sad that just that somebody... Because you feel like people have home everywhere they're at with their people. But also, what you said was rough. Like, we're not safe, right? Like, I'm still like, I can tell you I'm home. I choose, this is my home. I, my solace and my sisters and my mother. I also know that if we open the door and it's eyes. Right. My home is now, right? It's a, what is that word? My home is, it's in danger, right? Mm -hmm. It's been infiltrated, right? So yeah, so both, right? Um, both those things. Yeah. I think I thought about it and we're both both expressing this is why it's like we need to think about the right to stay and the right to move at the same time right because you are talking about how like you just want to be able to feel grounded in a place and feel safe you you want the right to stay and I for various reasons am like trying to construct a complete home for myself and part of that was like moving to Tucson here with Joseph and our two cats <laughs> Two cats. You know. Welcome to the new family member. <laughs> yeah, and it's like both of those things need to be true. You need to feel free to stay, and I need to feel free to move. Right. We shouldn't have to pick and choose. Yeah. Like they've always made us a think. choice. It should be a choice. You know, like a real choice. Right. Yeah. Okay. Again, going back to autonomy, our own self determination. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good note to end on. Yes. <laughs> thank you. That was beautiful. And even again, really seeing how like. Folks can really see this quote, right, and what that means. And again, like learning, being like, yeah, I'm also gonna fight for your right to mm -hmm. to find home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, like how I have to fight for your right to stay. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we can continue on, <laughs> but we won't. So, bye, y'all. Stay tuned for the next lit review.